Now, today I want to continue with our focus on the New Testament methodology for evangelism. And it's amazing how these methodologies have been neglected in the church today. It's just amazing to me. It's almost unbelievable to see how many things we're doing and calling it evangelism, but they're not really based on Scripture at all. And uh, I believe this is one of the reasons we don't have the kind of fruit that lasts in our assemblies and our churches, just simply because the evangelism is not being done in keeping with the Word of God. So we're going to continue that today. And the last time, if you remember, we began our focus on this issue by looking at how Jesus himself instructed his disciples to evangelize, what they were to do in order to demonstrate that God had sent him as a savior of the world. And we saw that there were three main ingredients or elements. It's to love one another. It's to have the kind of unity with one another and also to live a righteous life. Those three elements when demonstrated by the church, the corporate body attracts people to Jesus Christ. You say, well, that don't sound right. Well, whether it sounds right or not, that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you do this, this will happen. But we don't believe some of these things, you see. We like to use things to pressure people, to try to do all kinds of things to get people to make a decision just so we could say, hey, we got another soul. But this is a method that Jesus Christ himself said, if these things are demonstrated in the life of his people, then the world will know that he is the savior of the world. But now today we want to look at two other methods that we have in scripture. Uh, and the basic text we're going to be using is Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. This is a very powerful passage of scripture on evangelism but yet very rarely used when evangelism is taught. Now what I'm going to do is, because I, as you probably know by now, I am so committed to communicating the word of God, what we're going to do is going to look at these, these verses. I'm going to give you an overview first. Then we're going to go back over it again. Yes, I'm going to repeat it again. And just so we could be sure that we get it. Because, as I say, I believe that these are the missing elements in evangelism today. Uh, so let's look at the text, Galatians chapter 6. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. It says, Colossians, Colossians. Let me put on my glasses. That might help. <laughs> Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert, in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God may open us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Let's stop there for now, because in this passage, he talks about what I call evangelistic prayer. This is one of the major methods for evangelism in scripture. Prayer. Prayer for the unsaved as well as for those who are communicating the gospels. Notice what he says. Praying at the same time for us as well. The us refers to the apostles. Those who at that time 
or proclaiming the word of God. Pray for the preacher. That's, it's amazing when you go to scripture, there are more commands to pray for the people who preach the gospel than there are for those who need the gospel. Isn't that something? You wouldn't think that's true, but when you go to scripture, you'll find that it's true. More commands are given for us to pray for the person who preaches the gospel than for those who need the gospel. Pray for the preacher. First, it says that God may open up to us a door for the word. So he's, ask us, he's asking for prayer for opportunities for verbal proclamation, sharing the gospel. Now, please get out of your mind here, although he's referring to the apostles here, that is only for the apostles who proclaim. It's for anyone who proclaims when we universalize the principle. We pray for those who are sharing the gospel. Pray that there be opportunities for verbal proclamation. In other words, to put it in the context of personal evangelism, pray for opportunities that you can share the gospel verbally with your family, with your friends. That is the context here. To speak forth the mystery of Christ, to present Christ as the Savior of the world. Then he says to pray for clarity in proclaiming that message. He says, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Now, this is a very important prayer for those who present the gospel, that we do it clearly. We pray for those who are sharing the gospel, either from the pulpit or on a one-to-one basis. Make sure that the gospel is clear. We don't have a clear presentation of the gospel today. If you really put it against the word of God, we need to present the gospel clearly. We're coming back to this here. But as you do the sharing of the gospel and you make the word of God clear, you're going to have some opposition. Think about it a moment. You are at a family gathering or at a party and you're sitting down and you're talking to someone and you're asking God to give you direction as to what to, uh, what to say and what to talk. So you start to share about Christ. What's going to happen, do you think? Do you think they're just going to open that, open hands? Yeah, man, get up and talk. They're not going to say that. Say, man, I don't want to hear that foolishness today. Today is Super Bowl day. Let's talk about football, not about Jesus. See, that's it. Now, you can put that in the context, not only Super Bowl, but anything. You'll talk about business, you'll talk about golf, you'll talk about fishing, you'll talk about all kinds of things, but although you are a Christian and you have an opportunity to talk to an unsaved person, you won't do it. And if you have a concern for him, his soul or her soul, you'll say, hey, you're getting a good preacher, come down to this place next week. I want you to come so you can hear the gospel. That's not the way the New Testament talks about sharing the gospel. You are to share it as an individual. And you are to pray and to learn how to present the gospel clearly. All right? We'll talk about it as we go. Now, that's prayer. That's prayer evangelism. And we're going to detail this later. I'm just giving you an overview now. But then it goes on to deal with what I call organic evangelism, meaning that this is how the church grows itself, through evangelism by members of the body of Christ. Organic evangelism. Notice what he says. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of 
the opportunity. This is what I call lifestyle proclamation. Not only verbal proclamation, but lifestyle by the way you live. Notice what the text says. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. In the context, it has to do with sharing the mystery of Christ, sharing the gospel, making the most of the opportunity. In other words, do not waste the opportunity to share Christ with your unbelieving friend. Do not miss the opportunity to share the gospel with the unsaved, whether it's your family or your friends. Look for the opportunity, buy it up, don't waste it. This is lifestyle proclamation, realizing that you're here to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But not only is there lifestyle evangelism, is what I call evangelistic conversation. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned, as it were, with salt, and so on. He's saying now that we must be able to turn conversations around to speak about Christ, to speak evangelistically. And let our speech always be with grace, seasoned, as it were, with salt. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. In other words, we must learn the art of turning mundane conversations into evangelistic conversations and always begin by sharing your testimony. Share today what Christ is doing in your life. Don't go back and say, 15 years I made a decision. 15 years I did that. Start today. This is what God is doing in my life. I prayed for this and God answered this. Show what God is doing to make a change in your life today. Then you can go back to the time. But don't begin with that. Begin always with what God is doing in your life today. All right? Now he says, the reason why you should speak with graciously and seasoned with salt and so on is that you may know how you should respond to each other so that you may know how you should respond to each other. In other words, we need to know what Christ has done in our life and how he has done it. We need to know our faith. We need to know what we believe. I believe that this is one of the greatest hindrances for Christians sharing their faith, their testimony, because they don't know what they believe. They do not know their relationship to Jesus Christ. They may not even have assurance of salvation, so they're afraid to talk to people about Christ. Or because they know that if they tell somebody that they're Christians and Christ is in their life, they might, because of a lifestyle that is not being consistent, people might come back and say, how can you say you're Christian? Look what you're doing here. Look what you're doing there. But I believe that one of the greatest hindrances to Christians who are sharing is the faith because they don't know their faith. They don't know what it means to be redeemed. They don't know what it means for Christ to be a substitute for us. They don't know what it means between the difference of Jesus dying for us and Jesus dying uh, in our place. In other words, Jesus did not only die for us. Jesus died as us. That's why we can say, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. We do not understand our relationship with Jesus Christ. And again, I really believe it's because we have missed the focus on discipling. All we have focused on is how to be saved, not how to live after you're saved. Not realizing also, by the way, beloved, that salvation has three aspects to it. 
First, there's salvation from the judgment of sin. That's in the past. Then there's salvation from the power of the sin. That's salvation in the present. And then, of course, there's coming a day in the future when we will be removed from the very presence of sin. But we have to be able right now to demonstrate to people that we are, in fact, living a victorious life for Jesus Christ. I say again, many Christians do not share their faith and want to leave it for somebody else to do because they don't know what to say. And this is where we have failed as leaders because rather than equipping our people as to what to say to teach them about the faith, we just say, go out and witness. Go knock on the door. Give this tract. Do this and do that. Whereas the New Testament is not as focuses on something else. Know your faith and share it clearly. That's what he's saying here. All right, that's the overview of this passage. Now let's go at it in detail because there's some other things to say here. Again, I really want you to get this because I believe that this is God's way that he is designed for the individual believer to do evangelism. Evangelism as a lifestyle. Evangelism as organic growth, as you want. All right, first, prayer evangelism. Now this is one thing that you don't have to be afraid of doing. Because you could pray for people at home and nobody else around. So you don't have any excuse at all. But this is one of the major methods for winning people to Christ. Praying for them. You pray, of course, first of all, as I mentioned, for those who share the gospel, for opportunities for them to do it. That when they do it, they do it clearly. They do it boldly with assurance. But then you also need to pray for those who need the gospel. Listen to First Timothy chapter 2. First of all then, most important of all, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings or prime ministers, and all who are in authority. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's evangelistic prayer, and this is one of the major evangelism methodologies given in Scripture. How many of you are involved in evangelistic prayer? How many of you really call the names of your unsaved friends, your unserved relatives, to come to Christ? But yet, you'll be the first one who wants to have evangelistic meetings. But yet, the Bible says, pray for the unsaved, and we don't do it. There's a hypocrisy there. There's a contradiction there. Notice now, and he begins, oddly enough, with the unsaved in authority over us. And by the way, he says, if we do this, we could live in a godly fashion, in a peaceful way. In other words, we could have peace in the streets if we pray for the salvation of those in authority over us. And so I believe that praying for the salvation of our political leaders is a specific demand of our master Jesus Christ to us as his disciples. This is prayer evangelism as mandated by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. But I ask again, how many of us do it? How many of us obey the master Jesus Christ in praying evangelistically? That's one of the major ways for winning people to Jesus Christ. And again, as I say, it's amazing that so many who complain that not enough evangelism is being done, probably do very little or no evangelistic praying for politicians. Politicians now. 
Just saying. Politicians. That's the direct command, isn't it? It's right in Scripture. Now, let's look at some examples for those who prayed for the lost. First, let's begin with our master himself. In Isaiah 53, verse 12, it says this. I will allot him, this is the prophecy concerning Jesus Christ, a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death, was numbered with the transgressions, yet he himself bore the sin of many. Now notice now, and interceded for the sinners, interceded for the transgressions. This was fulfilled on the cross when Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus prayed for sinners. He modeled evangelistic praying. Now look at John chapter 17, and this is amazing to me. Jesus, to his father now, he's praying to his father. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, meaning the disciples who are already saved. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those who also will believe in me through their word. He's praying for people who are not saved yet. In fact, as you'll see, he's praying for you and for me. You and I are an answer to this evangelistic prayer of Jesus Christ. Notice, that they uh, who believe in me through their word, notice, through their word, through their proclamation of the gospel, that they may all be one, that's unity, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent to me. Jesus, I say, was praying for you and for me. The reason why you and I are here now is because Jesus prayed for you and he prayed for me in this prayer. That's an answer to evangelistic prayer. That's Jesus, but let me give you another one. You remember Stephen? First martyr. This is what it says in Acts 7.59. As they went on stoning Stephen, as he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. Do you know who was standing next to him? In fact, holding all the clothes of the guys who were stoning him? Paul. Paul, I believe, was an answer Paul being saved, I believe, was an answer to Stephen's prayer for an unsaved person. Now, let's look at Paul himself. He's now standing among those, who, he was standing against those, as I, amongst those who killed Stephen, of course, and he became a Christian, as you all know. But years later now, after he was saved at that point, Paul communicated the same concern for his people, Israel. Listen to this astonishing prayer. Romans chapter 9. I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bearing me, my conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. He's talking about his feelings for his unsaved brethren. For I could wish that I myself was accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren my kinsmen according to the flesh. Brethren, he says, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is what? For their salvation. Paul prayed evangelistically for his brethren according to the flesh. So it's very clear. Evangelistic praying 
is a major method for winning souls to Jesus Christ. And we could all do that. We don't have to go to a seminar to learn this. Although sometimes it might help to go to a class. But this is something we can all do. Do you agree? All right. As a way of application then, here's what I want to suggest that you do. Take out a piece of paper right now and list the name of one government official for whose salvation you will pray for the next month or until he or she is saved. Just one. That's all. That's not too many, eh? Can you get anything lower than one? So I don't think I'm asking you to do too much. One. One government official. All right? Now, don't be judgmental here now. Make sure that the person you're praying for, as far as you know, is not a Christian, all right? Number two. Here's something else I want to encourage you. List the name of three family members for whom you will pray for their salvation. Three family members. I do that every day. And every night when I go to sleep, every morning when I get up, I pray for members of my family who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. And then three, list the name of two friends for whom you will pray for their salvation. Two friends. And then number four, list the name of one Christian for whom you will pray that God will use to share the gospel effectively this coming week. In other words, pray for one person that you say now when he shares, when she shares the gospel, he'll do it with clarity. Pray for opportunities for yourself and for other Christian friends. And then not only for opportunity, but also that when they share the gospel, they will do it with clarity. And as I say, one of the best ways to turn mundane conversations into an evangelistic conversation is begin to share what God is doing in your life. Share how God has answered your prayer. Share how God has healed you or a member of the family. Share what God is doing in your life. That's the way to begin it. Now, this is a New Testament method for evangelism. Do you really hear that? Other than a little idea, pray for the unsaved, but doesn't go into the depth of it and show you how or different things like that. What I'm trying to get out here when you look at it is, evangelism is a responsibility of every individual Christian. This is organic evangelism. But let's continue on. Let's look now at what I call organic evangelism. This is what some people might call friendship evangelism, but I believe it goes deeper than that. This is where, according to this passage, you use every opportunity to share with the unsaved wisely. It really amazes me how when Christians get together with unsaved friends, they will talk all kinds of foolishness, all kinds of nonsense about everything else, but never try to interject Jesus into the conversation. We have to be doing that as individual believer. Notice again verse 5. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward the unsaved, making the most of the opportunity that you have with them to share the gospel with wisdom. And God says, if you lack wisdom, do what? Ask of me, and I will give it without hesitation. So we have no excuse. We can share the gospel, and we must do it whenever we have the opportunity. That's why we need to recognize every opportunity that we have to speak to someone 
about Jesus as God's provision, God's answer to prayer. We are praying for the unsaved. Lord, help me to live today in such a way that I can share the gospel. All of a sudden, someone comes sit down to you. Man, I run in trouble today. I really don't know. I have a problem with my wife. I have a problem with my husband. They sit down. That's a great opportunity for you to share Jesus Christ. All right? Recognize that each opportunity has God's provision for you and perhaps the answer of some Christian praying that that person who just sat down there would find somebody to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with. Then share the gospel clearly so we may speak forth the mystery in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Pray that you, as well as every other believer, will understand what the gospel really is. And the bottom line is this. The gospel is a message that not only delivers people from hell, that's the beginning part of it, but also presents them, puts them into a new sphere of living for Jesus Christ. Remember where Paul says that we are saved by his death, but we're also saved by his life. That's an aspect we often overlook. We need to share the gospel with sensitivity. It says, seasoned as it were with salt. In other words, you don't have to be brash and arrogant. Man, I think you're going to hell by what I see you doing. You know, that's not too sensitive. You know what I'm saying? Try to share with sensitivity. Enter into the pain of the individual the problem, the difficulty to the person, but let them know that you have the answer for victory as well. And that victory is through Jesus Christ who died for them. Share the gospel intelligently so that you may know how you should respond for each person. This perhaps is a scripture that many of us use to teach apologetics. In other words, how to defend the faith. How would you be able to deal with the person who says, they do not believe in the deity of Christ, or they do not believe uh, in eternal security. How would you explain what propitiation is? How would you explain what substitution is? If you only had three minutes to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, what would you share? Well, would you say, well, you got to believe and then be baptized? They only got three minutes now. So, boy, you really got to have a lot of water there or something else. So in other words, my point is, if you don't know the gospel and you believe that you need baptism to be saved, then the person who only has three or five minutes to live will never be saved. You understand? So you need to know what the gospel is. And by the way, don't say, say this prayer after me and you'll be saved. Because what will they think? They'll think it's the prayer that saves them. And you always got to remind them, Prayer does not save anybody. It is Jesus Christ who saves. All right? And don't just sign the name here. Then you sign that on the bottom line, you save. It is Jesus Christ who saves. You can do nothing to save yourself. Holding up your hand doesn't save you. Walking down an aisle doesn't save you. Putting your name on a piece of paper doesn't save you. Repeating a prayer after someone does not save you. It is Jesus Christ who saves. That's the message. Faith alone in Christ alone. All right? Now let me give you a couple of uh, principles for what I call 
organic or friendship evangelism. You've got to go to the unsaved. The unsaved will not come to us. See, this is one of the things I keep emphasizing about this idea that we have to bring people into the church service to be saved. That is not biblical. All right? We have to go to where the unsaved are. Go because the unsaved will not come to us. There's no unsaved person who seeks after God. The scriptures are clear. No one seeks after me. No, not one. Oh, my friend does. He's nice. He's a great guy. He's a, he gives all kinds of man. He's seeking after God. Well, scripture tells me that no one seeks after God. No, not one. They've all gone out of the stray. They've all wandered away from me, he says. We've got to go after the unsaved, not thinking that the unsaved will come to us. Then you get in, you stay with them. In other words, get into a relationship and stay with them even when it becomes difficult because you want to see that person come to Christ. Bless people. In other words, do good things for them. If they are sick, take them meals. Children need to go to school, take them to school for them. You see? Bless them. Do something good in their lives as you're working with them. Then you need to tell. Let them know what God is doing in your own life, how he has delivered you from different kinds of sins or addictions or whatever it is. Let them know what he's doing in your life today, not what happened 10, 15 years ago, but the fact that God is transforming your life. He's answering your prayer. And give them a specific instance where God answered prayer. And you know that is God because that's the only way it would happen. Then share. Explain the gospel clearly and accurately to them. Clearly and accurately. And then be. But this is what I mean. You walk among the unsaved every day. You preach to them not only by what you say, but by the way you live. And unfortunately, many times, the way we live distracts from what we say because our life does not match up. That's why we need to know what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, living a life that is consecrated to him. This then is what I call organic evangelism. This is what we have been born again to do as a way of life. All of us could do this. We've all been called to this. And again, I say, I believe that the reason why the church isn't growing as it should is because the believers are not doing what they need to do when it comes to prayer evangelism and organic evangelism. Let me close out with this one. I want to apply it again. Because I believe if we do this, we can see a lot of people come to Christ. I want you to again, prayerfully list one unsaved person with whom you will begin to establish or continue a valid but decidedly evangelistic relationship. You know, it's sad. Not too many Christians have unsaved friends. Isn't that amazing? They don't have too many unsaved friends because they believe, hey, I can't accompany you. You, you a sinner. I can't do with you. So you have no opportunity, no opening to talk with a person about Christ because we've been so detached from their lives. But now, many of us do have unsaved friends. 
close friendships. They come to our home. We go fishing together. We go picnicking together. We go shopping together. Do all these things together, but we never tell them about Jesus Christ. We're missing the opportunity that God has given to us life. This is the way, if you look at the Great Commission, is given. It's not go as the command. It's as you are going. As you are going into the world, you make disciples. Everywhere, all the time, anywhere you go, any place you go, no matter who it is, you share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. People say, well, you know, this talks about you got to go to all nations of the world. Listen, God has brought all nations of the world right here in Nassau, Bahamas. We have nationalities. I just went last night to a uh, Chinese Bahamas celebration of the Chinese New Year, the year of the snake. And let me tell you, I never saw so many different uh, nationalities in my life. Even for the, what they had. They had Chinese people doing things, a little uh, singing and all of that. They had Cubans, they had Bahamians. They all mixed them up there, right there. And I was praying now, you know, I was detached from the Chinese community. But the chairman came up and said, boys, good to see you here. I'm glad to see you getting involved in the social. And my aim now is to go to him and then that find out if I could be a chaplain to the Chinese people in the Bahamas. Because right now I have ordered a course on how to speak Mandarin. You believe that? At my age? And it's just getting time to do it. But I want to do that, you see? Because I believe it's a good opportunity there for that. All right? So we have people from around the world right with us today. You want to do evangelism? Make friends with them. Share the gospel with your unsaved family members, your unsaved friends, and you will doing evangelism according to the word of God. Then bring them to church and show how the people of God worship. Show how the people of God are instructed. Show how the people of God enjoy fellowship and how we love one another. Bring them in in that fashion and you will see the church of Jesus Christ grow.